Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater out in Massachusetts. Today is Wednesday, December 20th, 2017 and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page five in Bill's story, beginning with the fifth paragraph. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk, reading through two paragraphs, ending with, and I did. And the comments will be on both. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Alexis K.H., for the 12 Traditions and C. And readers of the text are Lynn F., Katie G., and Waiting in the Wings, Carmela G. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, December 19th, are for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 10,814. And for the 10 a.m., 10,817. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alexis K.H. to read OA's 12 steps. Morning. My name is Alexis K.H. in uh, Michigan. I'm a compulsive overeater, and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to do service and have a good day. Thanks so much, Alexis K.H. I'm now asking Ann C. to read our 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Ann C. from Connecticut, a compulsive overeater. And I'm going to read the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our publicly relations public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Have a good day. Thanks very much, Ann C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, 
and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we're resuming our study of the big book on page five, the fifth paragraph, beginning with shortly afterward, I came home drunk. Going to read through two paragraphs ending with, and I did. And the comments will be directed to both of them. So to get us started today, we have Lynn F. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, and thank you for your service, and hello to everyone on the line this morning. Lynn, grateful, recovering, recovered, compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high, where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. Some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksureness. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. One day, I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time, I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk then, and I did. Um, And on that, I'll share. I'm just setting my timer. Lynn, still compulsive, overeater, recovered one day at a time. And for me, um, when I read this passage for both from Bill's story, what I recall in my um, pre-OA life is that I had, um, in 2004, I gave birth to my second child after a long, long passage of, um, of infertility and issues regarding um, carrying a child to term. And my disease was um, in full blown, but I still had what I thought was control. I didn't know I had a disease. And shortly thereafter, my mom was diagnosed with um, an illness that would take her life. And what happened for me then was that I gave up. I had no resolve anymore. And I had two years where I didn't even try to, um, I didn't even think about not eating or drinking my alcoholic foods. And my alcoholic beverages were always um, sodas and pops and sugary things that one would get. And um, that blank space for me had no other match in my life. I never had a time in my life where I wasn't trying something or I didn't have 
shame over overeating or I didn't have um, the effort like, okay, I'm overeating today, I'll eat tomorrow. I always had a mental banter in my mind my entire life since I was 10 years old probably. And through that period, that banter was completely gone. I was just a shell compulsively overeating whenever I had that opportunity. And that went on for two solid years. And um, the only thing that hit that core of a woman that I was, that, that I'm sorry, that empty spot of a woman that I was right at my core was someone handing me the message of OA. And it was my physician. And she handed it to me on a piece of paper with the number for world service. And that was it. She didn't um, force it. She didn't course it. But I was so worn out, and um, I had no other. I had no other alternative. I was there was nothing that could touch me, and um, it was from that spot that I was able to uh, begin my my recovery when I was that low, and um, and someone could open the door for me. And with that, I passed. Thank you. Thanks very much. Now, who else would like to share after Matt Evan? Evan. Matt Evan. This is Larry. Okay. All right. Wait. Hello, 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 Hello. A moment, please. Kim G from South Jersey. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute, folks. I think that I have gotten some people wrong here. However, I know I have Tina. And I know I have Harlan, and I know I have Matt, and I have um, Kim. And Larry. I have Lauren C., and I have Larry. I'm Donna M. Uh-oh. Okay, wait a minute. I've got too many. I hear you all, but I this is way too many uh, to... Let, let, don't go anywhere, but let's start off with um, um, Tina and Harlan and Matt, okay? All right. Tina, good morning. Thanks, Anita, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff here. You know, mostly what I hear is I, 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 you know, and, um, you know, I was always told, and it tells us further on in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that there'll come a time when I won't have a mental defense. So that high resolve, that mind chatter of I can do it, I can do it, you know, it won't help me. You know, there'll come a time when I won't have that mental defense. And that defense must come from a power greater than myself. And when I got here, I didn't want to hear anything about a power greater than myself because I did not think there was one, you know, and how arrogant. And, you know, and, and it tells us here, you know, cocksureness, you know, my arrogance, you know, I have this high resolve. Okay, I might have failed yesterday, but today's a new day and I am going to do it. Well, the good news and the bad news is I cannot do this thing on my own. Left to my own devices, I am screwed. I am faced first in the food, and I could care less about anybody else in my life or even to attempt to have a power greater than myself. And, you know, what had to happen for me was I had to get to a place, I had to be beaten to a state of reasonableness where I knew 
that if I continued on my own, that I was going to continue to go down that same path to do the same thing, to get the same thing. So I had to, you know, do something different. And then I was able to get something different. And that's through the process of the 12 steps and transformation. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great stuff. Thank you very much. And now, uh, Harlan. Hey. Harlan, good morning. (laughs) Kathy, thank you so much, and thank you to Team Wednesday for this magnificent, magnificent meeting. I'm so glad to be here. I'm Harlan G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at where Bill is, and let's take a look at how closely we can identify. I know I can for sure. It says here, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. This was after he had gone on one of his diets. Although he doesn't use the word diet, what he was doing at this point, he had no idea of a spiritual solution. He didn't even know what the problem was. He just, like me, thought that liquor was his problem. Liquor wasn't his problem. Liquor was his solution to the problem. Let's see where he goes. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? And then it says here, was I crazy? I used to think I was crazy. I still do sometimes. He began to wonder because such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. Renewing my resolve, going back on my diet. I tried again. And then some time passed, confidence began to be replaced by cocksuredness. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. So instead of walking into the barbershop to make a phone call, Instead of walking into the clothing store to make a phone call, instead of walking into God knows where to make a phone call, he walks into a cafe to telephone. You know, it's funny. They have a phone at Dunkin' Donuts, but I'd be advised probably to go make my phone call somewhere else. In no time I was beating on the bar asking myself how it happened. Why did he take the first drink? The first drink was because of the mental twist. He hadn't been drinking. He was on one of his forced periods of sobriety that we would call going on a diet. And these emotions, fear, anger, happiness, jealousy, regret, remorse, are building up in him and he can't take the pain anymore. And he walks in there to the cafe to make a phone call thinking, I'll just tell Lois I was in there to make a phone call and here I was taking a drink. That was the mental twist. And then what happened was, as the whiskey rose to my head, I'd tell myself I'd manage better next time, and I might as well get good and drunk then. Physical allergy, and I did. If he can't walk into a cafe and avoid drinking, he's powerless because of the mental twist. If he can't just have one, and he's going to have as many as it took to get him soused, that's the physical allergy. So we have a beautiful example there of what happens every single time I go on a diet. Can I relate to this? You bet I can. He's in step one. He is exemplifying the powerless condition of mind and body. This is a beautiful illustration. Can I relate? You bet I can. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan G. And Matt M. followed by Kim G. Hi, Matt. Hello, this is Matt M. from New Jersey. Thank you for your service, Anita. 
Good morning, everyone. Um, where has been my high resolve? That's his determination coming forth. He had, he believed he could do it on his own, um, but he couldn't. He was totally defenseless against that first drink. Like someone passed it to him, and he took it. Like someone passed me a piece of lunch, and I had a party on Saturday, and I ate it. Um, but he renewed my resolve. I tried again. He's going on another. He wants to go on another one of his diets. He wants to do it again. I thought so well of myself. My abilities, my capacity to surmount obstacles, was quartered at last. No, sorry, well, sorry about that. Well, I was past the confidence again. He plays a cocksure, and he's getting cocky again because he wasn't drinking. I come back to the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. The whole paragraph, the whole second paragraph, with the ego talking, he's even got out. He thinks he can do it on his own. He's very, he's, he's very like egotistical. He wishes that he can um stop drinking, but he knows he can't. Deep down, he knows he can't stop, but he's telling himself he can. That's the disease talking. He's going downhill very much, very fast. Like going down, like a slalom going downhill. He can't stop himself, and he sees himself getting worse and worse. But um, he thinks he still can do it. So I'm, I'm grateful that for me, though, I, I know I can't do this on my own. I know I can't do this on myself well, and I can stop on my own and stay stopped. I need a program. I need people. I need a sponsor. I need to keep myself connected to, to everyone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Matt. Kim G, and I think then, I think it's Lauren. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Boy, this is the first time I'm really seeing that Bill is saying that that the liquor is the solution, not the problem. So we see these amazing visual words, remorse, horror, hopelessness, brain racing, impending calamity, writhing nerves, and it ends with, Gin would fix that. You know, I think to myself, you know, sayings I heard in the rooms and sayings I said, you know, abstinence will make me, makes me feel better. Nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. But I have to tell you, as a real compulsive overeater, abstinence sucks. It sucks. You want me to be abstinent in the morning, abstinent in the afternoon, abstinent in the evening? That's a long 24 hours. And you know what? Abstinence did make me feel better. It made me feel anger better. It made me feel depression better. It made me feel anxiety better. I can relate in to Bill and these feelings that he's having. I want to relate an experience I had. I was 27 years old. I'm living with my parents because let me tell you, in my disease, I surely was not self-supporting through my own contributions. And I would live, I had a job that was like five or six minutes away from my parents' house. And I would try to be abstinent on my diet all day long. It was painful. And what I would do is on my way home, I'd hit that grocery store, and I would buy a big tub of icing. Now, I'd also buy a cake mix. Honestly, I've never made a cake in my life, but I thought the grocery store clerk might think I'm making a cake. And I could see myself in that line, and I could feel my shoulders relaxing. I haven't had the icing yet, but just it being in my cart would give me a little bit of relief, a little hit. And as I get to that girl and she's checking me out, I have to throw something in there, M&M, Snickers bar, something in there, but I don't even think I can make it from, my, from that grocery store to the two or three minute drive to my parents' house. Because you know what? Food was not my problem. It was my solution. Those rising nerves were stilled at last. They weren't stilled at last by being abstinent. They were being stilled at last by having the ease and comfort which comes at once at once by having a few drinks. If you can relate into that, let me tell you, abstinence is not your answer. Abstinence is your problem. 
And the only solution for a compulsive overeater of my type is a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim G. And just to, for those who just probably got on, um, we're on page five, and we are, we are reading two paragraphs, the f- beginning with the fifth paragraph. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. Ending with, and I did. All right. Thank you. And now we have, I think it's Lauren. Is it Lauren? Did you phone in Lauren N or Lauren C? Okay. And that had to have been. This is Lauren N. No, I did not. All right. Okay. Then that's Larry K. Larry, you're up, followed by. Vasa, then Monica, and I think Marie J. Larry, are you there? Larry. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can. I can now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you so much. Larry K. Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, Boy, now I had what it takes. You know, that, that reminds me of a person I know of. Um, so I knew about this person who had, uh, she had got gastric bypass surgery, and she was very proud of her transformation, uh, not just how she looked, but, you know, how she had kept up with the exercise and the healthy diet and all the good stuff. And her health seemed to be better, and she was, you know, she was no longer shrinking from the social radar of life. And for the first time in her life, her friends and family had noticed her for this transformation and the dramatic weight loss and all the positive feedback, it was it was very intoxicating. And it you know it was much um, as you know much much of a drug as the food was the the feedback and it flooded her her brain with endorphins you know, and she was so full of hope and excitement for the future and you know this amazing woman <clears throat> she was really close to her brother. Um, he chose another path. He chose the steps. You know, I'm, I'm still buddies with him. And he would tell her about his, his experience as she began to put the weight back on. And he'd tell her about the big book. And, and she wasn't, you know, particularly interested. And, um, and they were really close. And they had planned, I remember they had planned to take a cruise together. They, they talked probably every day. And I remember my friend calling me as he approached her home. Uh, his brother-in-law had called him a couple of days earlier to let him know. Uh, someone would have to help with the funeral. Someone would have to help go through her stuff. And I was on the phone with him as he drove there. He had another state, how sad it was to help clean out her car, seeing all the wrappers, the binge foods, the mess. It makes me think, sometimes I wonder what her thoughts were the days immediately following the gastric bypass surgery. And I can't help but thinking, can't help but, th- you know, to think that her thoughts might have been, you know, now I have what it takes, you know, such hope, such false hope for, for those that have this disease. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Larry Kay. Uh, Vasa O, followed by Monica. Good morning, Vasa. Yeah, thank you, Anita J., for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive over here, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. 
And uh, I loved, oh my God, I can identify with Bill so much. The last sentence is, as the whiskey rose to my head, my hand, I told myself I would manage better, better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk then, and I did. And that was my story, and I tried to manage my food for many, 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 many years. And I remember saying, well, next time I'll do better. And I'll do good. I'll do good for a day or two days. But those days became to no more days. I could not even put one day abstinent any longer. You know, I before I came to the program, I gave into the food. I, addiction, I wasn't even trying any longer because I remember saying, why keep on trying because I'm going to just fail over and over, and I just thank God that I was brought into Overeaters Anonymous, and I was introduced to this book, and I read the, you know, the doctor's opinion, my sponsor, 12-stepped me little by little here and there, told me about the steps, but, you know, I needed to study the steps, but they, she told me a little bit what each step meant, and uh, and I, I thought this, the food was the solution to all my problems, you know. And um, i just so grateful that I heard it was a spiritual. I, uh, I, I did not know it was a spirit, spiritual malady. I thought I needed to use my own willpower and my, my by myself to, to do it or for other people to tell me to do it. Yeah, but the people that told me how to do it, they were just as much into it themselves, like me, and they didn't have the solution, you know. We just talked about the food. So, the, you know, the answer to my problem was right here, and I'm just so, so, so grateful. What a gift, you know, to me, and how we can pass it to other people. I, I did daycare. I know my time is coming up. I did daycare mm-hmm. for 15 years, and I, I had a woman that had the gastric bypass and, she, you know, she was in, you know, tried all this and different things. And I remember when her husband came to pick up her child, he was just out of sorts. I can't believe it because he knew what I was doing. And he said, there's papers everywhere. I wake up, I find stuff here and there. And I don't know what happened. They, they moved to another state. But it's a killing disease. And I know if I did not find this program, I'd be dead today. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Vasa. Oh, Monica, good morning. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So we're in Bill's story here, and the paragraph before, he has woken up, and he knows that he's got a problem and he's deciding here that he needs to stop drinking. He can't have even one single drink. But shortly afterwards, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolved? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. So what is this describing? This is describing the mental obsession. This is describing the most powerful part of my disease, my insane 
mine, my inability to think straight. No matter how much he desires, no matter how much willpower, no matter how much courage here he has uh, mustered up here in these two paragraphs today, he fails again. And I was in that boat. How many times did I fail again? I was sick and tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Today I'm going to do it right. Today it's going to be different. Today I'm going to I'm going to not binge and today I'm going to, you know, it's going to be different today and it was never different. Over and over and over again. You know, what is wrong with me? I have a disease. I have an allergy that once I put it in, I'm off on to the races and who knows when I'm going to stop. But most, the biggest part is this mental business here. You know, unmanageability, step one. The mental obsession, the spiritual malady. Every day was, I was, I, this is what I was coming from. I do what I don't want to do every day. I wanted to follow my plan. I don't do what I want to do. Oop, I messed that up. I do what I don't want to do. So every day I would continue to binge. I don't do what I want to do. Every day I wanted to follow my diet and be good, and I wasn't. Either way here, it wasn't working for me. I was totally screwed. It's unmanageable. This is the insanity of our disease. I am totally 100% powerless against this. But I had to realize, you know, I need a power greater than me. And then in the next paragraph, um, uh, I guess I already said it. You know, he uses courage. He uses willpower. I use self-knowledge. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I won against this, and I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Monica T., I think it's Marie J. and then Melissa C. Was it, am I correct, Marie J.? Did you, did you, um... Hi, I'm here. Okay, great. Hello. Hi, this is Marie J. from Colorado, recovered in Colorado. Um, and, you know, Bill is saying here, my, my brain raced uncontrollably. I told myself I would do better next time. There was no fight. Where was my resolve? You know, he's, he's a mess. I mean, he's really in powerlessness. And, there are people on this line who are in the food and people who are not in the food. And why is that? Why am I not in the food? My life isn't that different from how it was. I mean, I have the same stresses and kids and difficult relationships. I've got 21 people arriving on my doorstep on Friday from out of town from Christmas, and my husband's reacting to that, and I'm reacting to that, and I've got work stress. So why am I not eating and some people are eating? And really, it's really simple. We have a simple solution because when life gets hard, I turn to higher power and not to the food. And that's easy enough to say, but how, how do I achieve this? Well, that's the first thing. How do I achieve this? I don't achieve this. I surrender. I get myself out of the way. As soon as I go into how do I have to do this, how do I, that's, that's self-reliance. I get out of the way. Some of it is about just training my mind. You know, if I don't believe, then it can't happen. Because what I believe is what I will achieve. And if I believe I'm in charge, that's what's going to happen and I'm going to be a mess. 
And if I don't believe that God is or higher power is, then there's nothing to surrender to. So Bill's a mess. He's in the first step. I got to get to the second step now. I have to come to believe. And before I believed, before I believed, I used to just sit and ask for an experience of God. And I just kept listening and centering and asking for that experience. I can't figure my way out to God. I can't think my way to God. I have to get from my head to my heart. And I have to get from thought to experience. And then I can experience God. And now it's second nature, thank you, God. I mean, it's first nature, really. I really work to practice going to God first. And sometimes I go to my thoughts. Sometimes I go to the thoughts, the old thinking thinking that'll lead me to the old behavior that makes me believe that food is the solution. But I only have to be in charge for about four or five hours, and then I'm insane. I am insane, and I know that I have to get to the power. I can't explain the power, but I can experience the power. And I encourage anyone who just wants to stay abstinent today to take the time to experience the power, the higher power. Get into meditation. Spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you got to center. It's a practice. We have to practice it every day. I'm not eating today because I keep turning to my higher power and I keep surrendering my life. But it's a daily practice. I have to stay in it all day long. And if I do anything at all today, I have to stay in conscious contact with the power that is God all day. I have to surrender myself throughout the day because if I rely on myself, I will fail. So there's a solution, and that is always achieved through connection with higher power. Thanks, I pass. Thanks so much, Marie J. Melissa, did you did I hear you? Oh, yeah, I love- need that. <laughs> it's, it's Melissa say good morning. Thank you good for morning. your service. I didn't I didn't think you got my name. That's pretty amazing. I- <laughs> Great. Um yeah, so you know, um where was my high resolve? That's what kind of grabs me, you know, and Today I kind of laugh at that word, resolve, um, because I really can break it down. It's re-solving. You know, it's me again, yet again, that re-part of the word, solving this, you know. Um, And the thought, you know, that I could solve this yet again after so many years and so many experiences of not having success with that, um, that's definition of insanity. You know, and for normal people, resolving, you know, having resolved, making resolutions is a great thing. That's where, you know, that's where they begin to have success. But for me, when I'm thinking that I can use some of my resolve, I am a hundred miles away from being successful, you know. And so um, even in the rooms of OA, um, you know, I I had diet head. I would, um, I would still think, okay, I'm I'm gonna put the food down, you know. And I would always start out with, hey, you know what? I'm gonna commit my food, but I'm I don't have time for step work, you know. Like I'm just gonna, or guess what? I'm I'm not gonna eat the sugar and flour because sugar and flour is like you know the, the devil. And and so if I'm not eating sugar and flour, then I'm well on my way. And, you know, the thinking that I can do this um, with just a decision and a desire, um, that's insanity. 
you know, it's a complete lack of perspective. And, you know, the truth is without a transformed mind, We lost you. What happened to the transformed mind? Melissa. Well, we all know the end of that. Without a transformed mind, what did they say? We're screwed. (laughs) All right, I'm going to open it up again. Lisa B. Lisa B. Lisa B. and Nessa R. Well, Lauren N. Carrie N. Here you are, Lauren N. and Carrie N. Let's see. Let's let's go with those four, and then we'll see if we get some more. All right, Lisa B. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you so much for your service and for everyone that's here. Um, This is such an exciting chapter, and what kept coming to my mind this morning is the gratitude for being in a healthy meeting where the problem and the solution are truly discussed rather than just the tools. I need a message of depth and weight. Um, I'm kind of like a really good, um, I can smell BS, you know, and that's why I got uh, so discouraged in meetings for many years. I thought, I'm never going to get recovered from this. I'm just going to have to settle for, you know, barely getting through. And for me, you know, with this illness, the progression really showed up in my character defects and the unmanageability. And it wasn't until I came to OA, A Vision for You, and started hearing recovered fellows. And that's what I just want to do a shout out about, about hearing recovered people, people in whom the problem has been solved. I need to see and hear people that have walked this journey and suffered the despair of this illness and have recovered through the the 12 steps and through this book. You know, and when I look at the line that we're talking about um, that all of us seem to be going into is where had been my high resolve? Well, I'm going to talk about the word where. Like, it'd be silly to look that word up, but I did. I look up the word where, and it means the place or situation in which. A synonym for where is how. How? So that's what he's saying. You know, where? Where? What's the problem? How? How am I going to do this? And resolve. You know, that's another really good word. That means settle or find a solution. A synonym would be sort out, fix, straighten out, put right. I needed to be put back together. But it was beyond human power. It couldn't be through me and it couldn't be through a recovered sponsor. You know, it it had to be through a higher power. And the way I get that higher power is through these steps. The steps is like the medium, you know, to bring me to that recovered place. And I just want to share that, you know, being a sponsor, working with others, being a big book guide, you guys, this meeting does so much work for me because when sponsees are regularly listening to this meeting, you know, they're hearing what the problem and the solution is. I just need to help them get through the big book and share with them what I've done. But when they're not listening to the meeting and going to meetings where there's not recovered people and they're hearing just maybe tools and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, oh, it's like an upward battle. I just can't, you know, it's just horrible and I lived like that too for so many years so this illness wants me dead it really wants me dead but it will settle for me to be miserable and unhappy and 
I am so grateful to be on this line and to be a recovered person and be living in the solution and how it works. So with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Lisa B. Uh, Nessa R. followed by Lauren N. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, reading these pages of Bill's story, um, pages one to eight, um, Bill's uh, active addiction, the progression of his disease, and listening um, to all the beautiful shares uh, of personal experience from, uh, you know, Monday, yesterday, and, and this morning, you know, it strikes me how much um, we addicts in active addiction, when we are in active addiction, want to avoid discomfort at all costs. And that's the paradox for me of active addiction. We you know, I, I ate to avoid the discomfort of life, of, you know, having to cope with challenges, you know. And the eating itself, although it brought some um, momentary relief, um, and I would say uh, parenthetically that this relief, the moments of relief got shorter and shorter and shorter as my uh, addiction progressed, um, was followed by even greater discomfort. And yet, um, when faced with, that, with life discomfort again, I once again turned to food, you know, totally disregarding the discomfort that it would ensue. It was just so paradoxical. And I even, I even overate uh, compulsively in order to avoid the discomfort of having overeaten compulsively. It's just, uh, it's just not, you know. And one of the things that brought even more discomfort to my life, as has been shared before um, today, is being on diets. Being on diets was terribly uncomfortable because not only now I had the regular discomfort of life, but I had the discomfort of, of, of being on a diet, of being left without any coping mechanisms. And so, of course, that was something that was doomed to fail because, you know, something had got to give and it was the food that always gave. And, and, you know, like this, this is the beauty of recovery that, you know, recovery doesn't guarantee that my life is going to be discomfort free, but it does tell me that I have to, that I will be able to cope and live through that discomfort like an adult, like a normal, well-functioning adult without having to compulsively overeat because um, discomfort is, an, is unavoidable. Um, you know, uh, we have to face it. Um, and, you know, it is possible to go through life with having to compulsively overeat, but I have to put the food down. And so then what do I do? Putting the food down is uncomfortable. And the key here is that I have to work the, the steps while I am abstinent as quickly as possible because that in itself, um, you know, um, will, will make me recover without putting me at risk of speaking up. Um, you know, I often hear people say, well, you know, like I haven't reached my bottom yet. Um, oh, thank you. Um, and I guess I'm just going to end with this, that, you know, I reached my bottom when I stopped digging. And by stopping to dig, I mean put the foot down and work the steps as quickly as possible. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nessa. Uh, Lauren N. followed by Terry N. Morning, Lauren. Good morning, all. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, family. I'm a compulsive overeater, just in case you didn't know, and I'm from New York. 
I live in that place in my brain where I think I can control everything. As someone said earlier on the line, by not compulsively overeating, by not picking up my allergic foods, I feel everything much more. And it is hard to live in that place without holding on so tight to all of you and without working my steps one day at a time every day. I thank God for this program and for all the changes that I've had in my life. And I thank God for all the voices I hear every day and am so lucky that I'm no longer looking at, at death, but at life one day at a time. And life is actually very nice and very good. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Lauren. Beautiful. Um, Carry in, and then we'll open it up for a couple more. Good morning, everyone. This is Terry N. from New Jersey. I can't believe I got on. <laughs> um, I, and I only threw my name out there real quick one time. Um, so grateful to be here, grateful to be a part of this uh, fellowship. Um, I so could relate to this paragraph. I, where there had been no fight. I mean, I would, that mental twist would take over and there was no fight and I knew where it was going. And I, it sounds to me like he knew exactly where it was going. Like, why Why would I pick up that first bite when I knew exactly where it was going to go? Was I crazy? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so I could just totally relate to it. And, I, and the part where he talks about, you know, might, might as well get good and drunk now. Um, I can remember taking the first bite and thinking, you know, if all the things that I wanted to cram in between now and the time that I went to bed – from the time I took it to the time I went to bed because that was going to be my last binge. It was always going to be my last binge. Um, and I just related so much I needed to share and um, so incredibly grateful that today, um, as I've heard on this line over and over, that I am happily absent. And God bless everybody. Thanks for being there. And I pass. Thanks so much, Terry Ann. All right, give me two or three more names. Let's see if we can get you in. Janice M. Cynthia C. Jerry G. Okay, wait, okay, that's Kathy that. K. No, that's uh, Janice M. Cynthia C. And who did I hear before Kathy? Terry G. Terry G. Yes. Okay, all right, Janice. Let's see if we can get these people in. Janice, Cynthia C., and Terry G., and I'm sorry, Kathy. Um, Janice M., good morning. Good morning, sweet Anita J. Yes, this is Janice M. Um, PM, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Oh. Oh.
Oh, boy, oh, boy. You know what I was just noticing after many, many decades? In the first the paragraph, right before, shortly after, it says, and so I did, which means, you know, he had this uh, uh, determination and boy, like I did, and see, I did it, I did it. And then you turn the page, <laughs> and at the end of the, 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 the first paragraph almost, it says, and I did. You see, we're quick forgetters. I'm a quick forgetter. I I could identify solely with this paragraph. I am a quick forgetter. I only remember. What, you know, I know what they say. What they what it did for me. I remember feeling good when I would take that. For, you know, I didn't think about the consequences. I thought of feeling good. You know, from that first bite, not remembering the suffering. Now, isn't that funny? Isn't this my, my disease is so cunning because sometimes I could control it with my thinking and my willpower. There was a time that I could do that. So I thought, well, I can do this, you know, the ego. But then there came a time that I couldn't. First I could, then I couldn't because, you see, I had uh, willpower. I was, they say, oh, weak willpower? No, I had a very strong willpower. And what is willpower? It's the power of my mind. That's what willpower means. Will is the mind. You know, when I die, I make a will. But you see, I have to come to that, like, I can't do this anymore. I have the, uh, I'm unable to control how I think because that's where the problem is, is my thinking. And and the whole thing is it's all about me. Oh, I didn't put my timer on, Anita. Oh, okay, you, you've got maybe 40 minutes, seconds, seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, anyway, um, you know, <laughs> something happened to me. That power in recovery, see, reco- it is, this happens in recovery. I mean, in, in disease, I lost the power. But in recovery, after implementing these steps, I get that power comes through to me so I can operate for one day. See, that's the difference, isn't it, something? That first I don't have the power. I still will not have the power to eat certain foods and safety. But the higher power, my higher power, comes through to me, and then I can resist, you know, because I don't have that real determination to pick up that because I feel good without it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much. Well, my timing was off. I think we can get um, a short share from you, Cynthia C., and I'm sorry, Terry. Uh, My timing was off on this. Good morning, Cynthia C. Can, Can you give me a minute and a half to two? Cynthia? May I be heard? Yes. Hello? Oh, yes, sorry about I that. can I hear you. I thought I was unmuted. This is Cynthia C. Um, very, very, very grateful recovering uh, compulsive reader and food addict. Thank you for your service. I just want to say that I completely and utterly relate to this section. I, I just do. And I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired and so sick and tired of going round and round and round in the same vicious cycle. Um, 
and with the food, with, I, I just, I felt like an emotional, I constantly felt like an emotional wreck. I felt like I was going crazy. Um, and no therapy seemed to really resolve the problem. Um, and it wasn't until I came into program and really started working the steps and, you know, admitted that I am no, I, I cannot manage my own life. I mean, I really can't, you know, that first felt humiliating, but it's so freeing that I cannot manage my own life. There's a power greater than myself that can, and I choose to believe in that power, and I choose to turn my will and my life over to that power. And then I was able to, you know, do the fourth step and really do a fact-finding mission, not not a beating up on myself, but a fact-finding mission, inventory, to look at what what am I, you know, what do I need to change? Where am I, you know, where are my character defects? And to learn to start letting those go and to make amends to people, you know, and today I had a really great realization, you know, most of my family was caught up in a whirlwind of sort of anger and stress. It's a really stressful time in our house right now. And, you know, for one of the, like, I realized that I did not have to get sucked into that with them. I did not have to go to an angry, rageful, stressed out place with them, that I have a new way of life today. And that is only because of what I've heard in this room from my higher power, just are in this phone line. So I am so grateful that today I can, I can learn to be different. So each day at a time. Thank you. Thanks so much. Sorry to cut you a little bit. Um, what wonderful meeting. I thank everybody, and I hope you'll join us for the second unrecorded hour followed immediately. Today's ID for, uh, for this meeting of um, 7 a.m. December 20th is 10,818. 10, and we're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And will Katie G. please read a vision for you? For Good morning, Anita. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. This is KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. <clears throat> Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each, man, each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Uh, clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.